let's get going. That's all I could say. Okay. If everybody's ready, then I'm ready, and we're going to get this thing. We're going to get this thing right this second. I think this is the most crowded we've ever been. So, uh, Kenny, whenever you are ready, uh, I think we can get going, and we'll get going. Is everybody ready? Is everybody ready? All right. I sure. think we're on the air. All right. Oh. Okay. All right. I think we're ready right now. All right, everybody. Welcome to welcome, welcome, welcome. I really appreciate everybody being here to the uh, the Sound Broker Mastermind Roundtable. Of course, if you've never been here before, this is your first time. And the whole concept of our our roundtable is to get like minds together so that we could figure out how to survive these tough COVID times so that we hear when things go back to normal. And today we've got a really packed show. Um, um, so we've got Larry Italia from, uh, from uh, Vice President of D&B. We've, uh, we've got Chris Prozio from Disguise. We've got Brad Nelms from We Make Events. Um, who am I? Who am I? We have Raul Gonzalez. Uh, Raul, Raul is somewhere in the room as well, um, I believe. Uh, we have. Somebody has their microphone on. We just shut that off. That's okay. Um, and uh, let's see, Jay Wallace from Stage Pro from Apex. And uh, who have I left out? Robert Scoville, of course, ladies and gentlemen, from Avid. And so I think we've got everybody covered. So to start off today, normally uh, we would just chit-chat a little bit. But today I'd like to give it to Brad Nelms. Brad's going to take the time and tell us what happened with uh, We Make Events and the Restart program. So Brad, please take it away. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Uh, hi to everybody. Some of you, this might be some repeat info if you've heard it elsewhere, uh, but for those of you that it's not, happy to share an update. So uh, as I think everybody knows at this point on September 1st, we had a great uh, Red Alert Restart event where we lit up a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, that was very successful. We had a goal of about 1,500 buildings uh, following the UK effort, which lit 700, and we've officially cleared uh, 2,000 with what we were able to light, and we think it was actually far beyond that, closer to 3,000 or 3,500 with what we don't know about. Um, so it was incredibly successful in terms of making noise. Uh, <clears throat> as far as the functional aspect of what we're trying to do with that and the reason that we did everything um, is to push Congress to pass the Restart Act and to extend and expand PUA and FPUC for those that are unemployed. Um, we're making good progress on that. Of course, it's all politics, but um, we are pushing, I believe, the right buttons. So as of today, through our website, uh, wemakeevents.org, we have written 13,452 letters, uh, and several of our supporting websites also have tools on them uh, to write your congressional leadership local to you just with a, a couple of clicks. Um, so those have uh, seen an uptick in traffic as well. So I don't have an exact number that are resultant from the event, uh, but it's certainly a, a fair amount and we've gotten good traffic. We are continuing the push. Um, and one of the things that's coming up now, since we're coming kind of down to the wire, is a push on the small business legislative teams, uh, as well as of course, continuing to push on every single uh, local representative and senator of your own. So please use tools on our website, on somebody else's website, reach out to them directly, phone, email, 
uh, handwritten letter, knock on the door, whatever you can do to find them. Um, for any of you who are not on Michael Strickland's email, uh, he is the founder and chair of Bandit Lights, and he is our sort of North Star in terms of the government actions for this event. So he is in constant and direct contact with many uh, government leaders, and he just actually gave us an update on another Zoom call shortly before this um, that talks about the fact that essentially what you're hearing in the news and what you see of uh, the happenings in Congress, uh, they are almost entirely political posturing. So we're following what he believes and what, what the political leaders that he's talking with believe to be the path to success, um, which means that if we continue our push of writing letters and outreach, that uh, we hopefully can get somewhere with this and that there will be a relief bill that is passed before Congress is out of session. Uh, and if everything goes in the direction that we hope that will include language from the Restart Act and PUA and FPUC for everyone. Um, so that's kind of the broad overview. Happy to field any questions if anybody has anything specific or Jan, if you wanted me to go into more detail on, uh, on any uh, sort of more, more detail items. Well, I think that uh, basically, if we have any quick questions, we can we can get to it. Uh, so, does anybody have any questions for Brad right now? Ken Newman. I just want to restate the last part of what you said, Brad. I mean, make sure I got it right. So, it sounds like all what we're hearing in the media is political posturing, and the real story is the Restart Act is not dead in the water yet. It's it still has a chance of passing. Is that right? That's correct. And, and our information is coming from sort of closed doors conversations that are happening behind the scenes directly with those Congress people. Um, so the, the Restart Act is not dead by any means. Um, there is an ask that's out there in the immediate, which is being put forth by Michael Strickland and NAM to pass Restart as a clean bill. Um, the likelihood that that happens is probably pretty slim, but pushing for that ask will keep it in front of them uh, while they're going through all this posturing. Uh, what What is likely to happen is that there will be a comprehensive relief bill and that that will include at least the bulk of restart um, is what we're being told and what we can, what we can hope for at this point. That's excellent. That's excellent. That's uh, it's, it, you know, this, it, it, everybody in this room actually participated in it as well. And, and uh, it, it was international in scope. And I think that it's really moving along. Um, as you mentioned, Michael Strickland sent an email uh, that was uh, pretty cool. And, and basically, we were doing a, a NAM call to action where you would send a letter to your Congress. I will throw that information into the chat so that you can, and it's really quick. You just click on the link and boom, you're up there and uh, you're sending a letter out. Uh, you just have to put your name, your phone number, and your address, and it goes right out. So uh, it's, it's good. It's a NAM call to action in itself. Uh, uh, I can't recommend it high enough that we, we keep the pressure on our Congress people for this. All right. Absolutely. So anything we can social media letters, calls in person, anything you can do to, uh, to push them to pay attention and to maneuver is, uh, is our best bet at this point. Yeah, that's good. Great. I, and I want to thank you very much for the, I want to thank you very, very much for the update on this. We really appreciate what you've done. I am, I'm speaking for, for everybody, I hope. Uh, but I uh, personally, Brad, I think you've done an amazing job with all your, with all the people that have volunteered to doing this. I think it's really spectacular. And uh, um, I thank you so, so much for that. You know, um, anybody else have any questions for Brad? Okay. If we do, Brad's going to stick around for a little while. I think he might have another meeting, but hey, it's nice to have him. 
So basically, today's meeting is about manufacturers and how they will interface with us, the tips and tricks and, you know, how, how to help us survive these tough times and what they're doing. And I look at it like this, uh, you know, this is how we are right now. It's like we're on a roller coaster ride, right? And we're, we're, we're in and the roller coaster is moving, right? And as we're getting to the top, we realize that the tracks below are a little bit wobbly. And now we get to the top and we're starting to head down. And the only thing we could do is throw up our arms and go, wee! And we're in for the ride. So with that, we're going to start off with, uh, with Larry Italia from D&B. So Larry, um, take it away. Wee! Hey guys, thanks for uh, for inviting me today. Um, maybe just a quick update on how things are going at DNB uh, through all of this. Uh, I assume you all are familiar with our company. Um, we've been fortunate, frankly speaking. Um, in uh, Germany, where the majority of our staff are, you have something in Germany uh, from the German government called uh, Kurzarbeit. Excuse my pronunciation, I don't speak German yet, anyway. Uh, and this is a uh, government program, uh, also called short-time work. And so the German government will come in and subsidize a very significant portion of the employee's compensation uh, they can work on a part-time basis uh, for the company and uh, it allows everybody basically to stay on board and we don't have to do any layoffs. We've been very fortunate so far. We've done no layoffs uh, so far through this whole thing anywhere in the world in any of the uh, subsidiaries. Um, here in the U.S., we also got lucky. Um, our uh, main office and our warehouse is in Asheville, North Carolina. And as we all know, um, everybody's fending for themselves here as we have no national program. So state by state, county by county, city by city is how it goes. And in Asheville, uh, we were never obliged to shut down to the point where uh, we could not ship anymore from the warehouse. So we've been in business every day. Um, send me over your POs this afternoon and I will get it out to you tomorrow. Um, and so we were lucky there. Uh, all of the, uh, you know, all the office types, of course, have been working from home. We also have a facility out here in California uh, in Signal Hill and Long Beach. Of course, things, the lockdown is tougher in California, uh, but we're kind of coming back. Uh, we've been uh, starting to do some demos in both facilities. We have a training facility, demo rooms in both facilities. And so we've been doing some stuff there. Uh, guys have been getting back on planes and going out and commissioning systems and doing demos and things like that. Of course, we're nowhere near normal, but, um, but we're doing business. And, uh, and so uh, we'll just have to play it out like all the rest of us and wait to see what happens here. Um, I would say that here, I, what, most of the folks I see here uh, are uh, production side folk, pri primarily anyway. And of course, that's been the tougher part of the business. 
And uh, yeah, Tom, I see your question, which is just where I was going. Thanks for the segue. Um, most of the business, the overwhelming part of the business right now for us, of course, is install. And we were also fortunate that a couple of years ago, I think a number of you guys have known me for a long time. I've only been with D&B the last uh, couple of years. Uh, one of the changes I made when I came in was a change in go-to-market and we expanded our uh, integrator uh, distribution channel very significantly. And uh, that ended up being a rather fortuitous move on our part. Um, I love it when I'm right. Uh, I, I didn't... I, I confess I didn't see this coming, but uh, anyway, uh, that's what's basically keeping the lights on right now. We're doing very little on the mobile side. And, uh, and I would say that that's a fair characterization globally also. So that's kind of where we're at in a nutshell. Questions? Very good. Comments? You know what, uh, if it was okay with you, Larry, what I'd like mm -hmm. to assume we have five people that that I, I would like to give each one five and then we'll open it up to questions oh i got it okay everybody to, if that's okay sorry. with you that's what we'll do so the next uh, person i'd like to do you have anything else you want to say before we and i introduce my our next guest no i'm looking forward to the introduction of our next guest our next guest is going to be Robert Scoville. Robert Scoville, of course, uh, is representing AVID today um, and probably every day, except for one week in the month. That's <laughs> 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 whatever he has to do with his family. So Robert, why don't, we, why don't you take for about five minutes and let's see what we got going on. Man, I'm going after Larry, huh? Whew, this, this is tall order here. Uh, I'll start off just by saying thanks for the invite to this. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be in this crowd of guys, uh, for sure. So thank you for inviting me in to, to participate in this. Uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll do similar to Larry here. I'll, I'll kind of give you a little State of the Union, uh, you know, at AVID, and I'll even, you know, kind of branch off into AVID Live Sound. I mean, we kind of got to parse those two things a little differently right now because of the state of the industry, but, you know, kind of long story short here and i would love to tell you this was all strategic planning we knew this was all coming it's just fate you know it's just happenstance but you know it's not lost on anyone that avid over the past you you count the years has been pushing the home recording initiative right they build your studio at home work at home blah -de -de blah 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 and in the past 10 years let's say sorry the dogs definitely agree with that theory uh in the last 10 years, they've been very deeply immersed in building cloud collaboration for that kind of thing as well. So now, you know, once that's all done, here comes the pandemic. So now it, it was almost like it was just perfectly suited to move to that sort of thing. So they, they laid an incredible amount of groundwork to be ironically ready for a moment just like this. And that piece of the company, meaning video, uh, Pro Tools recording, home recording, studio recording, et cetera, is doing exceptionally well right now. I mean, it is, uh, they're, they're, they're doing gangbusters right now. If you check our profitability for the last couple of quarters, you would see that it's just hanging in there really, really great. Now, the outlier of that obviously is live sound, uh, you know, with SXL and, and all of that business. And of course, that business has ground down very, very far. Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly stronger in certain pockets of the world than other parts of the world. Uh, I, surprisingly, to no one less than me, I, I was no one was more surprised about this than me. 
we are still doing business in live sound in parts of the world, including the United States. Uh, we had a pretty healthy pipeline built up to begin with and are, are still shipping, et cetera. And we are, our R&D is marching forward without question, without hesitation. They, some of the things may have been pushed off a little bit for a rejigger of some human resources inside the company, but uh, live sound R&D is carrying on and, and we have some considerable releases on the docks getting ready to go here pretty soon. So things are moving forward there. Now, of course, it's all a matter of time. The longer this stretches out, the harder it is to maintain that. Uh, in terms of the internal staffing, uh, you know, Avid was fortunate enough, and I was fortunate enough, for them to move to a rolling furlough, where you know I take one week of furlough every month, uh, and that just kind of rolls out to uh, you know, um, you know, the the portion of the year is 12 weeks of of furlough. Whether that's going to continue on, I don't know. You know, that's all down to the company. Obviously, the longer that stretches out, the harder it is to do that. You know, if, if income and revenue stays down in live sound, you know, the longer that goes, uh, the harsher the reality will be there. Uh, internally, I would leave you with this. Uh, internally, you know, again, I, I, who knows whether it's uh, foresight or, or what, but, you know, Avid has been moving to this model of remote employees for many years now. You know, they've been downgrading buildings, moving people remotely, because we can do, do so much of it, so much of our work remotely now. Uh, as opposed to having to go to the office. And this has re-emphasized that there is additional movement to only have absolutely necessary employees on site at a headquarters to be do work like testing and, and R&D, et cetera. But even a lot of that has moved off site. So this has uh, created a big adjustment for them, but they seem to be handling pretty well. I feel very fortunate to be working with a company that is as diverse as they are right now. I can't imagine what it's like Visually, and I, I'm glad to hear Larry go first here. I, I can't imagine what it's like to work on a live sound centric company right now and have a look at the outlook going forward. It's just too, uh, too undetermined right now, you know. So that's me. Okay, very good. Very, very good. The next, the, the next person that I'd like to feature right now is Jay Waller, Jay from Stage Pro and Apex Stage. So, Jay, why don't you? Um, talk to everybody for about give us a five, five minutes and then we'll and then we're going to go next to chris prozio well i didn't prepare a full five minutes but i'll i'll see if i can stretch it a little bit all right? oh, I'm sure you can <laughs> uh, um i'm representing basically as apex stages um the state of the union as robert called it is actually doing really well um in the rental market which i'm also involved with on a separate company, the only thing that has consistently gone out of our shop in the last three or four months are small hydraulic stages. By nature, the hydraulic stages for graduation ceremonies, uh, church events, even things like dance recitals. Uh, you know, a local dance cheer team can't perform in their gym, but they want to perform for the parents, they do it out in a park. Those types of events. And the other thing is, most of the promoters now are trying real hard to not bring in labor um, for social distancing amount of people reasons. They are looking for production companies to build, you know, smaller events, but do it all self-contained. Well, the small hydraulic stages are perfect for that. I mean, you can go out and build a stage and roof system in, you know, half hour, hour with two, three guys, right? You can do it internal with your own staff. So you don't have to mingle with other people. Um, the, I guess the result is 
the demand for the small hydraulic stages is actually going up. Um, sales have maintained pretty well. All orders that we had prior to the season have been picked up. Um, nobody's backed out. The orders are continuing. The, it's a little iffy on how the orders will go over the winter. That hasn't, hasn't really manifested itself yet. Um, it seems that the problems we do run into is a lack of banking ability for our clients. Um, the, it seems like most banks are taking the approach of, yeah, you're a good client, but we're not going to loan you money until your industry starts working again. And so we're working on a few alternative plans at Apex to make it so that the, there can be some purchases and keep the product flowing with uh, kind of like a rental type, a long-term rental plan. And we're looking at some different options there to try to kind of, you know, help the customer get the product. Because what we're seeing going into next spring is that the first events that live production will do will be outdoors. And they'll start with community specific type events where you can do, you can go to, you know, North Platte, Nebraska and do a, you know, a country festival, a country show. And the people that are at the show are the same people that were at the football game on Friday night and at the same Walmart. It's and they're not, it's not people coming from out of area. So you're, you know, those type of events, I think will be the first thing that are coming back. At least that's the impression everybody's getting. So the demand for our clients is if, if you just have sound or just have lights or whatever, if you don't have an alliance with somebody that has the stage, or if you don't have a stage, you're kind of going to start much slower and have a harder time getting work. So our demand is actually there. And it's, um, it's, it's good. Um, we're feeling real good about it. Um, we've just, we kind of stopped R&D when COVID hit on the next generation of stages. Uh, we kind of put the pause on that. But that is all going back into full speed now. Now, as we project forward, we see that as the events get larger, but still outdoors kind of the, I think everybody feels it's gonna be safer to start outdoors than it is indoors. So we feel like that'll be, you know, for us a benefit. And so we're gonna try to have the next generation mark, uh, large stages out on the market, hopefully by next summer. Um, probably a little optimistic because there's a lot to, you know, putting together all the engineering and fabrication on one of those big ones. But the State of the Union for us is actually surprisingly good. Hmm. That's very excellent. And I know that, you know, from my standpoint of view, most people are calling me these days about stages. And, of course, uh, you know, I work closely with Jay. Um, the next person I'd like to introduce is Chris Prozio. Now, Chris, um, you guys might know 3D, which is from video mapping. But Chris, is the, they changed the name to the company The Disguise. And Chris, why don't you take it away? There we go. I'm unmuted, right? You all can hear me? Yes. Great. It's hard to say because I can't see my mouth moving. So Disguise did a little bit of a State of the Union. Back in March, like everyone else, Disguise took a fairly big hit. We were, the majority of our business was in the live events and touring market. Fortunately, we had some work going on in the background for what we call XR, uh, or extended reality, which utilizes our servers and utilizes the render node. And I'm going to show you guys a couple of things. 
uh, as part of mine. But we've been able to weather this through. We had some layoffs. We've had some furloughs. But we're coming back on the backside of this with two aspects. Our broadcast and film side with XR is coming up. The other thing we're seeing is that this technology is pushing its way into corporate as well. We have a couple of large Fortune 500 companies building these XR stages, which I'm going to show you um, in their facilities. And we have a number of larger companies that are taking their hybrid events and making it a little more compelling than just someone standing on a stage with a PowerPoint. Um, if you can, Jan, uh, can you let me uh, share yeah. the screen? There we go. It, it's, it's turned on. You can. Got it. So let's see here. We're going to share that. So what I'm going to show you right here, this is just a very simple application. And this it deals with what we call our uh, stage extension. So as he comes up on stage, we turn it on and we can create an entire environment. I mean, this thing is literally set up in a broom closet. And this doesn't have to be just these kind of graphics. This can be PowerPoint. This can be foreground, what we call augmented reality. Very simple setup, very small amount of LED, very approachable. So what I'm going to do here, and I'm going to stop sharing this screen because y'all, here we go. I'm going to walk you up here. So hopefully we don't vomit as I, with my camera work. But I happen to be in our LA shop. I happen to be here doing some demos. And... Can we flip this camera? Yes. This is an actual XR stage. And I'm gonna come back here behind the camera and you can see as I move this image, the content moves with with what we're doing. And then if we come over here to compositing, as can, kind of hard to see. But if I do this, you can see that image as I come up here to the edge of the screen. My hand disappears because this is the stage, stage extension. So, you know, I don't want to bore you with all the technology. I just wanted to show you a little bit about what we're doing here. This is where our future is. We believe that there's going to be more hybrid events coming on the backside of this. The fact of the matter is, if you're doing an event which was just some guy developing PowerPoint or delivering PowerPoint in a hotel ballroom, that meeting's not coming back. At least that's not my opinion. And we're gonna have to adjust as a, as a industry to being able to do this type of hybrid technology, but doing so making a compelling message. And that's where we're positioning disguise moving forward. We'll pick up with events when they start to come back. Who knows when that is? Is that the middle of next year? Is that the end of next year? But until then, we're adjusting and doing virtual. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, that was a really nice presentation. Uh, and I was surprised. And I'm sure now everybody else who was presenting saying, damn, why didn't I do something like that? Well, anyway. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's only because I was lucky enough to be down here working. And I will say that's very fortunate that I landed with a company, kept me on during all of this. And we're lucky enough to be doing demos this week, despite the mask.
Well, I'm sure people have questions for you. And uh, so, the, but the next person I want to introduce is Raul Gonzalez. I'm sure everybody knows him. He's the senior specialist of um, audio, um, audio applications for, for Harmon Group. So Raul, um, say hi and tell people what you want them to know. Good afternoon, Jan. Thanks. Sorry for the delay. And I uh, hope everybody's doing well. So great to see good old friends. How you doing, Jay and Robert and everybody else? It's a good time. Uh, as you can imagine, obviously, uh, we're not impervious to any of the effects of this uh, current situation. We're doing well. Like many other uh, you know, manufacturers, we have gone through you know, layoffs and change of schedules. We are all uh, working from home. Uh, our product development teams uh, obviously have continued to work through this process. You know, we have manufacturing spread over multiple locations. So different locations for us were affected at different times, whether it was China, Mexico, the U.S., so forth. As you can imagine, the, uh, you know, the sale of the production performance type systems, you know, completely uh, minimized unless they were going into some uh, permanent installation projects which were already in progress when this, uh, this virus took effect. Uh, so we have continued to support all of those installed projects that were, you know, they're still taking place right now. Uh, our uh, vertical market related to portable products, anything related to, you know, in-home, working from home kind of products, you know, recording uh, systems, you know, USB microphones or, you know, monitor studio types things, uh, uh, whether you're looking at uh, headphones or anything like that, that business, of course, has grown tremendously. Um, so it's given us the ability to actually weather through. Uh, we are going to continue, most of us working from home, not, not going back to an actual office, probably through the end of the year. Uh, we thought that things would change uh, in September, but uh, headquarters in Texas and California, uh, things are not exactly where, where we thought we would be. And so we're going to continue at the moment um, working from home. Uh, plenty of inventory uh, uh, at the moment, obviously. Uh, things, things change on a day-by-day -day basis depending on whether or not manufacturing can operate. We had to actually shut down some manufacturing in Mexico for a while, uh, given the, the uh, national regulations there. Uh, obviously, China got through it pretty quickly, and we were able to get on the other side of that pretty quickly. Uh, but otherwise, you know, our people are doing well. Everybody is safe. Uh, we've, you know, very few people uh, got sick. We've had a very supportive team in management and uh, just trying to, to get through it, supporting our clients as they need us. Very nice. Very, very nice. Well, that was, those are our featured guests. And now we have the panel. And so um, I'm sure there are plenty of people that have plenty of questions. And so why don't we open up to the room? Uh, so um, who would like to go first? Uh, Ken Porter, did I see your hand go up? Was that your, was that your hand? Oh, there you go. Not really, but I will. <laughs> uh, first off, Chris, the system that you have, is that what they use in the Mandalorian shoot? No, it's similar. So ILM built their own system utilizing Unreal and what's called end display. Where Disguise fits in this is we democratize that workflow. ILM had 30 software engineers on set doing the Mandalorian. And if you've got that type of budget, God love you. 
go for it, build your own rig. For those of us that need a more robust system that's got a repeatable outcome, that's where Disguise comes in. So we replace what's called end display with the tried and true Disguise server. We add a rendering node, which allows us to bring in Unreal content. That's what was showing up there or content from Unity or from Notch. Through the system, we use a high-speed bus to allow that to work. It's similar to what they did with Mandalorian. It's not, but it's the same concept in that you have a gaming engine with photorealistic content, with a camera on a tracking system, all, all of them working together in, a, uh, in an environment, highly, highly regulated environment that allows that system to work. Okay. Uh, Tom Source, do you have a question? Or Ken, did you have a follow-up? Well, I have another one. If you want to do that or let someone else go and I'll come back to it. Nah, well, you got it. We got you. You're, okay. That's a good question. So, Larry, in 2007, 2008, when we had an economy drop down in, it was hit more in Asia, more than it hit here, stronger in Asia. Some, I realized some of the companies cut um, R&D budgets and stuff there. They, they, they're like, if you think about Yamaha, that's why I posted to Larry, you know, I don't know what he can say, but it seems that Yamaha cut their budget in R&D in that it took them forever to get replacements for 1D and 5D and stuff there, and they lost market shares because of that. Is their plans, you know, of manufacturers, has anyone followed what Yamaha did back then or whatever there, you know, is are we staying on top of technology since we're a technology-driven, asset-laden rental services business, you know, how are we doing, you know, as technology drives everything to turn over stuff? I can't, I can't speak for the rest of the panels, but on our team, we had a few team members that we had to shave, but we maintained our development team all the way through this because we recognize there's going to be an end to this and we've got to be on our stick to be able to move on and move forward. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Larry, you want to take that question as well? As a matter of fact, why don't we go around, you know, Larry, then why don't, uh, why, why doesn't Raul answer that as well? And uh, I think Jay as well. So why don't we do it like that? Larry? Uh, hi, Ken. Um, sure, I can talk about anything about Yamaha now. Um, <laughs> but in the interest of time and, uh, and, America being such a litigious society. Uh, uh, quick, short answer, Ken. Uh, actually, what happened at Yamaha is not what you say. Uh, it's, it's true that there was a long time between uh, those products, but not for the reason that you think. And uh, we, we could talk about that sometime. Uh, but uh, speaking for uh, D&B, no, we haven't, we haven't rolled off the R&D at all. And I think I would just kind of echo uh, what uh, Chris just said, which is that, um, you know, this is an opportune time to get things going uh, and be positioned for coming out the backside. Now, I would say that we looked at what was in development and what was on the product plan. And, uh, and is, that, is that really a priority now or is something else a priority now? So, for instance, uh, you know, the movement from... Uh, uh, our revenue uh, moving from uh, mobile to install uh, more directly uh, certainly influenced uh, the triaging of what's in development and what's on the product plan. Uh, but uh, the part-time work that's going on in Germany, 
is, uh, you know, primarily factory folk. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not shipping like we were. We don't need, you know, we only got so much warehouse space. We can't just keep producing at the same rates, right? So uh, our, we haven't backed off on R&D, and I think that would be uh, the last thing that would get cut here is something we're going to get cut. Well, thank you, Larry. And, and I, th I also want to thank you, before we, before we go to Robert on this, I want to thank you for giving us some suspense for our next show, uh, What Happened at Yamaha. So tune in next week as we try to get, well, it might not be next week. All right, Robert, <laughs> why don't you take up that question? Yeah, I, you know, R&D is an interesting thing at, at companies of these, of these sizes. You know, I mean, I, I know our R&D plans and our R&D budgets are built, you know, way, way far in advance. So, you know, even with this downturn, we're still living in those initial R&D budgets, you know, so we are still going, you know, full steam ahead in terms of development. And, and you know, I mean, especially for publicly traded companies, you know, it's always that challenge of, you know, in terms of revenue, they work quarter to quarter to quarter. Well, you know, innovation doesn't happen quarter to quarter. Innovation happens over a period of years and if you're going to dedicate to innovation, you know, you're going to put those budgets in place to last for years. But as I said, with something like this, as unique as this downturn where we came to a complete halt, you know, it's a race against time. I mean, you know, revenue is the validation of your R&D. You know, as somebody famously put it to me once, we're not in the business of making cool shit. We're in the business of selling cool shit. So you know, you, it doesn't matter how much cool stuff you make, you've got to be able to sell it to support that company and keep it moving forward. So, you know, our, long story short, R&D budgets are still in place. We still are going uh, great gang, great, great guns in live sound R&D and have a lot of stuff planned for the future. But again, go far enough out on the timeline. If, if we never sell another piece of gear, you know, that will come to a halt at some point. It's just logic and, and simple math. Well, the, the kind of follow up to that is, is how do you launch a product during a pandemic? No, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question, and if I had an answer for you, I, I would I would be a overpaid, really smart man right now. I mean, it's just a dance because, you know, the customer base is sitting on his hands. So yeah, didn't, didn't Yamaha do that? Yep, they're trying to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be really, um, you got to be really pragmatic with it. You know, I mean you. I mean, nobody's got money to spend. Nobody's making money. So you have to time it. I, I, would, I would tell you, as much as I can tell you, is there are products that we have on the roadmap that we have pushed out a little bit in that kind of just bet against time. It's like, okay, are we bullish enough to say it, it is going to get back to play at some point? And what are going to be the market pressures <clears throat> to keep people from buying? So it, it's a challenge. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No precedent for it. That's for sure. That would be for installs. Okay. Sorry, you cut out there, Ken. Can you say that again? Be more the product skew for installs, because like, I've had several people buy three three eights, but it's not all been installs. Yeah, yeah. I would say for our end of it, certainly the majority of our pipeline that has gone to fruition has been installs. You know, fixed installs that you know they were projects that were long in the tooth. So, mm -hmm. are there any changes that you see going on at Avid that you might want to share with us or anything like that in regards to what's going on with the, with, 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 with the situation we're in right now? Uh, no real changes. Like I said, you know, a lot of the changes had been made that kind of just fell into place with this pandemic in terms of staff, et cetera, you know, uh, you know, 
remote employees, all of that ha has already been kind of put into place and been working for a long time. So I, I, man, I would just tell you from a personal level, my day to day has hardly changed at all <laughs> compared to what we were doing pre-pandemic. If anything, it's more focused and there are more tasks involved in it now than there was pre-pandemic. So I know that's an outlier, you know, not, it's not normal, but you know, it's not like this big shift had to take place at Avid and then all the employees were working like that all of a sudden. That was already in play for us. It was, uh, it hasn't, that part of it hasn't really disrupted anything in the company, probably short of R&D and testing, you know, that requires you to be on site around a lot of gear, et cetera. So much of that employee base at the company is remote already, uh, that that was the only place that really took the hits in terms of, oh my gosh, we got to scramble and figure out what we're going to do here to keep testing going. Robert? Has there been any discussion within the company about um, <clears throat> extending warranties or because I've had will have over a year that I haven't used my software, haven't put electron through my console and that was a year out of a three year warranty period. Yeah, I, I totally sympathize with you there. And uh, I mean, I have to be careful how I talk about this, but I know. believe me, from the live sound team, there was a very focused, very concerted effort to say to the company, look, we need to put warranties on hold for a year. Just just stop the clock for a year here. I mean, it's the right thing to do. Now, we were not able to get it through, but uh, I would say we're not completely out of the water with that yet. I, I, I still hold out hope that we will make that right for our customers, but that's a, that's a tough challenge. That is, they did, they did not, uh, I should say they, I'm, I'm them. Uh, we did not make that happen. So, yeah, you know, Ken, uh, I'll just jump in real quick. As you know, Ken, we did we did extend warranties, and uh, and so uh, it, it's good for me to hear your comment. And I would just say to everybody in the group uh, here today that uh, one of the things that uh, I'm looking forward to or was hoping to get out of uh, out of today's session is some input from y'all about what it is that can be done to help you. These kinds of things that Robert was just talking about here. Uh, you know, we're not, uh, we're not immune to what's going on here. And it's not like I've got big bags of money sitting here under my desk that I can do all this kind of stuff, but just very basic things would be really helpful for us to know. Um, and, and particularly those of you who are, you know, um, Lewis I know is here and guys who are in the, again, and guys are in the business of selling this stuff. Just basic stuff, what is it? Points, days, I mean, you know, what, what is the thing that's gonna help here? Uh, I'm not saying we can do it, but if, if I don't know, then I won't ask for it, you know? So, for what it's worth. I got a question for you, and that's regard, seeing you're not keeping the bags of money under your desk, where are you keeping that bags of money? They're, they're, they're safe on the island of Sicily. Um, and uh, I have some I family you members. I pick up the big briefcase there, Larry, and say, it's right here. I got to sit right next to me. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Robert, the fires have been pretty close. There is a lot of stuff piled up right out here by the front door. Uh, it's, it's all Bitcoin. <laughs> anyway. You want to give the Harmon um, what you're thinking about from Harmon based on what the question was. And then once we do do that, we'll go to Tom Sorcy. He's got a question as well. Raul, did I lose you? Sorry about that, Jen. Okay. The famous mute button. Yes. 
So I'd like to echo what Larry and Robert were saying. You know, on our side of things, uh, we haven't, you know, executed any changes to our, our uh, R&D process. Our engineering teams uh, spread from USA to India to China are still very much in place. Um, changes we made, you know, personnel-wise, of course, there was personal reduction. Um, our, I would say 90% of our audio team has always been working outside the building. So we were already not, you know, you know like Robert said, we're not traveling. My, my very small production team is not traveling, of course. But uh, a lot of the design support people were all working from home to begin with. So what we have done is we have, of course, you know, spawn our personnel to actually uh, expand the design support team for, for installations, large installs and theaters and wherever projects that were already taking place. So we're helping them out. And we're also collaborating with the product development team. So this has allowed us to have a closer, you know, uh, relationship with our product development guys and getting all of the right features onto new products that are coming out. We haven't uh, eliminated any product launches. We have been uh, cautious and sensitive to the situation. Like Robert said, it's no point on, you know, bringing out a, a you know a new subwoofer, a new install box when you know that it's not going to go anywhere. So you don't you don't eliminate it. You just kind of figure out when it's the right time, and then maybe you wait for the right project. Uh, you know that that it would make sense. We have, however, paid attention to the fact that we do have these other vertical market related to portable products and, and working from home kind of products. So we have accelerated some of you know the, the development and, and, and market launch and, and expanded inventory into those kind of products that are so badly uh, needed and used uh, now by everybody. Everybody now has a pair of headphones and a microphone and whatever else at home and you know just just ask uh you know whoever guitar center sweetwater uh, full compass and they just keep flying out the window so again product development i think robert put it right on the nail we're here to sell cool shit you know that's you know we, this is a revenue this is not a hobby uh but uh that being said you know we have we have had these these budgets and these programs in place these roadmaps are usually put to be put in place you know three to five years ahead of time. So, you know, if, of course, if this situation continues for the next three years, God forbid, then, you know, there will, there will have to be changes, you know, it's not a self-supporting, you know, mechanism. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Um, let's take a question from Tom source, Tom. Hey fellas. It's good to see you all. And it's good to see you. Uh, everybody looks good and is, uh, moving forward in life. I have two questions. The first question is for Chris uh, with respect to the XR. There was initially uh, rumors flying around in the market that XR was a specific technology owned by a specific company, but it appears to me that there's two or three different uh, providers of this service. Can you address that? And then my second question is generally for the manufacturing group in here. Uh, While I'm not currently attached to any uh, rental company. I believe that coming out of this, rental companies are going to be really lacking in capital for investment in new product. And I wonder if there's a strategy on you guys' side to address that issue. Uh, In speaking with uh, owners and and CEOs of uh, several of the different rental companies, 
they're all on the same map about using the products that they currently have in stock to get themselves back into a positive cash flow position. So Chris, if you don't mind uh, letting me know about the XR yeah. thing first. Yeah. Sure. So as far as XR, it's a terminology, right? Yeah. XR is really a culmination of what we call mixed reality and augmented reality. Mm -hmm. There's been some play on people trying to capture that XR and call it, like you said, call it a product. We were somewhat um, uh, culpable in that as well. But the reality is that XR is being moved forward. I think the biggest way to delineate it is if you see the little X, big R, that's just a overflow of an idea of, of extended reality. If someone is calling themselves capital X, capital R, they're owning that name. So I've got customers that are actually calling themselves like XR Stage and XR Studios. They're a company. They're not a product. They're, a, you know, so there's a couple of different ways to go with that. Um, but yeah, it really is when people start talking XR now, it is really just a general concept of an extended reality. And typically what that is, is with LED, you can do some XR with green screen, but there's a general push to retire green screen completely because with this type of environment, the, the talent can actually see and interact with that content. Whereas in green screen, they're pointing at something that they don't know what they're pointing at. So that's what we're going to see moving forward. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. The second part of your question, Tom. Uh, yeah, so if, if uh, while I'm not attached to any specific rental company at this point in time, I have been in communication and dialogue with some of the CEOs and presidents of some of the larger rental companies. And to a person, they are all looking to use their asset base for another year or two to get themselves back into a positive cash flow position after uh, the market, the, particularly the live market, starts mm -hmm. back up. And I'm wondering if any of the manufacturers have a strategy uh, to either assist in that or to understand that the rental companies, particularly large ones, are not going to be in a cash positive position probably for another two to three years. I, I can address part of that. So we're doing, we've already started. So we actually, we actually launched a product during a pandemic and we have worked with a couple of financial institutions to do touch payments for the first three to six months, depending on the credit worthiness of the company. And it's based on their history, not on right now, with the idea that we know things are going to pick up in the next three to six months. So we'll probably hold that program over. I can't speak officially, but we'll probably hold that program over through next year as people kind of come up out of the pandemic to give them the runway to buy in some of the new product that they need. But I wholeheartedly agree. Most of my customers are not going to be buying product in 2021. They're going to be holding on to what they have and trying to make a buck or three just to, to get back to an even keel. Mm -hmm. now, now, gentlemen, um, one thing that I know that Chris has got a hard stop at four o'clock, but there is one question that I have from, and then we'll, and then I'll throw the rest of the, the, the question back to the manufacturer guys in the room. But Chris, your product seems to be very timely right now so that um, it, it would be, um, even in during COVID, that's still a, a product that really needs to be um, used in this situation. So how can these guys that run these production companies in this room um, capitalize on making money with you guys? So, so we started at the beginning of the pandemic 
the key to our product is a software piece. There's a little hardware dongle and then the software. We sold the hardware dongle for half price and we gave access to a $1,200 software, $1,200 per year software license for free through the month of October. So now to jump into it, we're a little bit on the late side. You've got a little over a month. You can still do that, but um, that's the first place to start. We do training for free online. The fundamentals course is six one-hour classes. That's where you start. Um, and the software itself runs on a standard laptop. You don't need a, a $20,000 or $120,000 server. You just need your laptop to start working in this environment. And there's a bunch of other tools. I don't want to get into the sales aspect of this. If you guys want a sales pitch, you have my email address. I'm happy to give it. But um, it is a timely piece right now. And it's, I think this is where we're going to end up going. I think that with this pandemic, we're going to see more and more of a push to hybrid meetings. And those that kind of adjust to this and pick up some type of workflow that makes a more compelling meeting are they going to be the ones that can take advantage of it in the next step forward. Very good. Thank you so much for coming, Chris. Uh, I will talk with you shortly. Uh, I do appreciate uh, what, you, what you've added into the, uh, to this group. It definitely is exactly the whole concept of what the show is. And so thank you so much. Mike. Chris, Chris, can you put your email in the chat, please? I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. You'll get it. I promise you'll get it. Okay, Larry, uh, you want to take Tom's question and then we'll go to Robert and then. Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, Tom. Um, hey, brother. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we have an in-house finance program. So uh, we actually have something uh, in, in the DNB organization. Um, and I think our, our, our points are fairly competitive. But it's it's a it's a strange new world, isn't it? And uh, so I think uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to study some things a little bit. I think that maybe uh, paper that didn't look so good before is going to have to be reconsidered in uh, the new world, uh, and uh, we may need to reconsider our uh, risk aversion uh, with certain. Uh, clients. Um, I think uh, another thing will be I just how how are they going to manage their money as they come out the backside of this, right? Is it is financing really viable or is it leasing that they want to do? And then if they want to do leasing, do they want to stay with traditional CapEx type leases or maybe they don't have that budget in CapEx and they need an OpEx type of lease option, something like that, right? Um, and so we're, we're looking at all of those things. I don't have anything to announce today. Uh, but the other thing that I'm, I'm looking at is of course, um, from the dealer point of view, and, and it, it, there's no guarantee that they pass through to the end user, but of course, a lot of the sound companies are dealers also, uh, what can we do on terms for them? Uh, maybe to give a little more headroom, you know, uh, Stuff like that. That's, you know, if somebody got some ideas, um, email me because I'd love to hear them because uh, we're, we're trying to think what it is. What can we do right now? You know, and uh, what can we do to position ourselves all for when we come out the backside of this? So thank you, Larry. Uh, Jay Waller and I were talking and in, um, in Jay, of course, with Apex and he had a, he I thought Jay had a really good idea of of how to assist people in getting into into a mobile stage environment 
But the one thing that Jay and I were talking about, which is really the one of the things that is really a crucial element, and I was speaking with Larry about this earlier, is the labor pool. You know, and that labor pool is really important right now for us. And I want to create a show around that at a later date. But I just want to point that out. Jay, um, if you remember our conversation regarding what you were thinking of doing with Apex and getting more people into Apex, is, I think that would be a, a timely conversation right now. Yeah, the, uh, the conversation basically um, was looking at it. At, we have a, quite a few clients that have shown up and they say, you know, we need one. We, we have sound and lights, but the client or the other company down the road has a stage where you can't get work because they do and we don't. And the need is, is really there, but the banks just aren't, you know, I've got everybody on hold. At least, you know, a lot of the smaller production companies, you know, with the local banker, um, everything. I, I had one customer that actually had over 50% of the money in his hand and even was willing to put up his house the bank said, you're approved. Everything's great, but we're not going to give you a check. Not until your industry starts working again, right? And so the thought was, since the product, um, and the one in particular was the 32-foot apex stage, which you tow behind a, like a one-ton pickup. The concept, since it's a titled vehicle, was to set something up like a car lease, where, you know, if a guy bought the stage, his bank payment would have been, you know, 4500 a month for 48 months deal right but make a make a payment of like 2500 a month but it's just a lease payment with and then you know i like get a three-year deal at the end of three years he can either renew it at a cheaper rate since it's not a new product anymore he can turn it back in it's like a car or he can buy it at its wholesale value at that time and since it's a titled thing, you know, it, it's a lot easier to do than I think with some of the other guys with, you know, speaker cabinets and stuff like that are much harder to, you know, hold as collateral and have a lean on and track. Um, and so that's a, something that we've been looking at at Apex is putting together a plan like that. Keeping in mind, we're talking about a much smaller company than some of these other guys and the amount of product we're talking about and the amount of customers that I would be, you know, or we would try to set this up for over this winter would be, you know, four, five, six, maybe 10 customers, right? I mean, it's not, so it's a much smaller scale, but that was, that was the strategy we had to try to give these guys a bridge and, you know, the ability to, you know, compete with the guy down the road that has this product. Because a lot of these smaller companies, if they don't have access to a stage, they can't get the work. And so to them, buying a stage is actually what gets their sound and lighting back to work. And so that, that was our, our concept we've been discussing. We, we haven't launched it yet, but it's, uh, it's definitely been a, a pretty much a weekly discussion. Um, and addressing the R&D slowdown or full speed that was up a minute ago, I do have to admit, we were working on R&D heavily towards next generation larger stages. Um, when COVID hit, I was kind of given permission to continue with the napkin drawings, but at engineering, which, you know, it starts getting into money expense, that was paused for a while. And now with, you know, kind of a little more information and forethought and what we think the market's going to need when we get back, that, that has been given a green light to start moving forward again. So, you know, it, it's, we did take a pause. Hopefully, you know, that it won't, I mean, hopefully we'll still be ready with the next generation when the customers are ready for it is the point. 
Well, thank you. Um, anybody else have any questions? Anybody else want to, anybody else have anything? Ken, Ken Newman? Yeah, I got a question for Larry since you're here, Larry. And didn't I see a recent blurb about DMB um, introducing a certified pre-owned uh, plan? And I was wondering what you could tell us about that and what the plan is with that, how much less expensive a certified pre-owned system might be than a, a new system and what are the benefits and disadvantages of getting certified pre-owned versus brand new? Yeah, uh, so the the program is that uh, you it's it's only for J boxes. Uh, used J boxes can come back to us either in Germany and I do have uh, a shop here in the States now to do it. We got it up and running. It took us a little while. But uh, it, it was a kind of um, complement uh, to a deal. And so uh, K is the is the product that we would like to get in the marketplace, of course. And I think uh, particularly with what's going on now, as we all know, the way these things typically get done is you sell the old stuff and get the money and buy the new stuff. Um, we, were, we, uh, we are trying to facilitate that by uh, doing J's for K's. So if you, if you want to trade in J's, um, then uh, we'll, we'll uh, do a discount on the K stuff. And then we turn them around and uh, put them back out in the marketplace with uh, factory warranty from us, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we quote them on system basis, right? So I don't have a line item pricing thing I can give you or something like that. I don't have a price card or list price or something. If you want to do a deal, talk to us. What is it you got? What's exactly in your system, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if you want to jump in, Ken. Uh, Ken was kind of... Uh, very helpful for us to get this going. And uh, Ken was kind of my uh, beta test site for this uh, to see how this would work. And uh, I don't know, do you want to jump in a little bit on it, Ken, or any comments? Like or? The, you go to a Lexus dealer and see certified pre-owned or Mercedes. Yeah, it's exactly that. You're buying a top in and trading that. And then there turn around, there's people that can't afford, don't buy new, but the, there's a, the mom and pop production companies all over the country that have one system and they need something that would make riders and, and be acceptable to everybody. And that's the best way how to get to them. You know, I might, I might add just one thing. Um, I've been doing something like that for about 23 years now. And I'm still here. Well, so for the refurbishment aspect of it, right, Jim? So when I got involved with the AVID program, um, when, the, when, I was, when AVID wanted to do the S6L, and the biggest competitor was the profile. Um, I, we got involved with that, and it was a very successful program for everybody. And now, of course, the S6L is a is, is one of a, uh, is a household word. So, yeah, we and plus right now, which brings me to one of the things that I wanted to say is that one of the things that what I found out with with in selling the the, uh, the profiles was that the parts were very valuable almost more than the whole concept once the S6L started coming out there. But talking regarding the warranty, um, some of the people that I've been talking to, especially on this panel, have already mentioned to me the fact that everything has now got a new two-year life cycle because of the way things and the way things are going. Because if you had, let's just say, uh, one of the things you mentioned was a grandma, which is a lighting board, you had the grandma too, that just got another year or two out of life. You might not want to go out and buy the Grandma 3. And that's the same thing with the profile right now. 
Somebody just called me the other day saying, hey, can I get two profiles? Mm -hmm. So that is a, a, that is a viable. So the question is, is Raul, will you, did you mention anything about the warranty, about how whether Harmon was going to extend the warranty or not? Yeah, the, you know, the three things to, to uh, address Tom's question that we're doing, first of all, uh, you know, for any of the, of the dealers that we, ha that we have that are directly, you know, uh, doing business with us directly as opposed to going through their own bank, you know, we are working directly with any one of our dealers that are in a financial position where they need help with their uh, payments. So we're, our finance team is directly talking to all of our dealers directly in that regard. Uh, number two, the second is, and I think you mentioned this in a previous call, Jen, was the uh, Harman Equipment Finance Program that we have in place uh, where we're doing 12 to 24 months with 0%, and that's managed by Quail. So that's, you know, that also attracts a lot of venues that we're going to do some installs, uh, as well as small production companies looking to expand their inventory. And then the third thing is we have added a warranty to uh, you know, all of our new amplifier platforms. So we have gone to six years now. So, you know, that, that part of it, you know, has, has, has been some of the measures that we're implementing. We, we have done the certified pre-owned in years past. We did it with Vertec 89s and 88s. Uh, we're not currently doing that model, but, you know, January is around the corner. So we have to wait and see how things progress. Mm -hmm. Well, very good. Well, I think um, unless there's anybody else that has any questions, um, just looking around the room, if, uh, Ken Porter. The other point to that too is <clears throat> the, the two parts is, is that you got to deal with existing debt, which under, in the CARES Act, there had been the deal net where there's, there's restructuring a debt where they given banks uh, directive or whatever to restructure that, you know, stuff there. Again, to buying stuff, a lot of the companies are positioning themselves to be operational come the next touring season when they step out so they're not there. I've been working on the same thing too, is looking at all the options, but the, the CARES Act does restructure existing debt as far as uh, some of them they've offered is a one year interest only and uh, stringing out that and the liabilities and stuff there, how to keep cash flow going through. The other one is, is the different thing. There still is the uh, EIDL loan, which is the uh, through the SBA and that one runs, you know, it's three and a quarter, no, three and a half percent, but it runs, uh, you can take it out to 30 years, which is like forever. Um, but there's no interest the first year on that loan. And then there's the um, Main Street Lending Program. No payments the first year. There's interest, but no payments. Okay. And then I just saw that uh, uh, Claire did the EI, uh, the uh, uh, Main Street Lending Program which is basically, they did like $71 million on that, but it runs, you know, that one runs five years in, it's three and a quarter or three and a half, somewhere around there. But that one is no payments the first year and then double interest rates the second year, um, compounded interest the second year, and then interest plus 15% of the principal, interest plus 15%, so for year four interest, and then 70% balloon at the end. But that gets you up moving. But that's, you know, that's the way I do stuff. I don't know if Lewis, you know, how he's finding stuff. But the point is, is that PPP deals with the operation and the employees. 
but the other ones there's there's programs out that they're offering that gives you stability as far as asset wise and, and how to do structure. Yep, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, there's also local programs. I know I just got a letter from uh, the state of Nevada saying that uh, that they had some um, opportunities for us if you needed money. But uh, it was, uh, I think it was up to $10,000. So there are local programs and state programs, county programs, depending where you are, um, for, for other options to, to uh, lend yourself some money if, if that's what you need. Anyway, is there anybody else that has anything that they want to say? Well, I guess, well, if that's the case, then I just want to thank you all for coming today. It was super informative. Larry, thank you so much. Robert, thank you. You know, all the, Raul and Chris Prozu is not here. Jay Waller, you know. Um, you know, my concern right now in the industry is not so much the gear as the people. Um, and that is one thing that I am super concerned about, and I want to do something about that. Um, I don't know what more I can do, but the people that I know that are doing labor pools right now, they are, they are at the point where they, most of them have had to let people go so that there is no more, there's no more crewing services out there. And the challenge that we face on that is that these people need to protect their families and themselves and they have to go out. And most of the people that I've worked with over the years are really sharp guys. I mean, you know, they've made a decision to go into this business because they love what they're doing. And because of that, usually they're pretty educated. They, 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 they have a, they're self-starters. So any industry would be happy. And somebody mentioned to me today that their wives might not let them want to come back if they're married that's the case. So we will need to figure out a way how to get these people, which are the most important thing, uh, back in, back in working and so that they're available to us when we do come back. Um, one thing I noticed, by the way, uh, I was reading today that Broadway is now taking out some seats. So they're going to be opening up some theaters right now. They're going to be sp spacing it out. So they'll be able to do that. And there's possibility that they're going to do that here in Las Vegas as well. Um, but again, outdoors are where it's at. And, and Jay, uh, you know, in being in the stage business, um, if, you, if, you, if you haven't looked into outdoor stages, you might want to consider that as an opportunity as well. You know, um, anybody else, if that's it, then I will thank you all for coming today. Uh, I am working on a um, uh, different shows, different opportunities for all of us. But I do, I want to tell you this, I do appreciate you all coming because without it, I would just be here alone with Kenny and with David, you know, and, and so I really do appreciate other people here sharing because it is not the Jan Landy show. I keep saying that. It's not, uh, this is an industry-wide, um, and I wouldn't go so far saying it's a support group, but I would go so far to say it's an, a, a safe place to share ideas that are valid. And that's what, we've, that's what we've accomplished today, for sure. The last thing I'm going to ask you to do is that please spread the word about this so more people get involved. I can only do so much, and um, I'm at the point right now where I really could use some outside assistance in promoting this. So I thank you all for coming. Remember, you make it happen. Make it happen. Have a great day. Take care of yourselves. Be healthy. And, uh, you know, 
do the things that um, make you happy because you need to be happy as well. It can't all be one thing after another with a lot of pressure. You've got to relieve some of that pressure and you've got to do something that makes you happy every day, if not more than once a day, as multiple times as you can. So again, thanks for coming. We're going to shut off the recording right now. I'm not kicking anybody out, but I'm just letting you know that, uh, you know, we're stopping the live stream and we're stopping the recording so we can now hang out and just, uh, you know, shoot the breeze and whatever it is that we want to say, we can say. So, Dan, one question real quick.